Hello, and welcome to our podcast series Inside Impact Investing. My name is Rosa Veldmeijer. I'm fund manager at Triodos Investment Management. And together with experts from the field, I'm diving into current hot topics within the impact investing industry. In today's episode, we are going to talk about impact measurement and management. This is a real hot topic in the market and a huge challenge for most impact investors. And it all starts with the question, what is impact? And can it be measured and managed? But also, what do regulators expect from us? And what are the challenges? And what is the quality of current impact data? I'm discussing these and other questions with two experts in the field. I'm happy to have Sasha Sueva, Director of Strategic Learning and Impact at the Rockefeller Foundation. She's joining all the way from New York. And my colleague Rebecca Sporer, Impact Manager at Tridos Investment Management. A warm welcome to you both. Let's start at the beginning. Rebecca, what is impact investing? Thanks very much, Rosal. And that's a great uh, kickoff question to get started with. I think uh, we all have to understand what we're talking about. And that actually in the sector, uh, there's a lot of different kind of terms that are used to define um, sustainable finance, ESG investing. And in fact, with impact investing, it can even be considered along an entire spectrum because there's no single one size fits all definition of impact. So everything from kind of ensuring that through your investing activities that you're not doing harm all the way to contributing to positive solutions or in a positive effect on people or planet that is all kind of under the broad umbrella of impact investing. So according to the Global Impact Investing Network, investors have convened together to come up with a formal definition because alignment is really important in order for the sector to continue to grow and move forward. So that definition is very specific, which is investing with the intention to generate positive measurable impact alongside a financial return. So those three components are are really what differentiates impact investing alongside a financial return. Yeah, so I can understand if you commit to impact investing, you'll of course also need to have some measurement and management in place or system in place to make it work. So the next question would then be, and this one's for you, Sasha, what is impact measurement and management? Thanks, Razel, and very excited to discuss this with you and Rebecca. It's uh, one of my favorite topics. Impact measurement and management is um, can be usually referred to as IMM. That's the acronym. It's it's a very new discipline, so it dates from about 2016 uh, when the Impact Management Project convened over 3,000 investors, funders, and experts to really build a global consensus around how do we improve, disclose, how do we measure and improve and disclose impact in impact investing. Because as Rebecca pointed out, measurement, measurable impact is, is really the key here. This discipline has been informed by other disciplines, obviously, as, as any new discipline. So by things like financial reporting, accounting, environmental impact assessment, uh, but also to some extent by monitoring and evaluation, which is kind of my background. And monitoring and evaluation is a discipline that builds on social sci- uh, techniques in social science to continuously assess social impact of programs. And it's been used by governments and development institutions at least since the 1970s. And I do believe there's a lot of learning that can happen between the two disciplines because they're so interrelated. Back to what measurement and management means. So the measurement side of IMM is really around methods and approaches for determining what is the investment's impact. 
And the management side refers to the systems, processes, cultures, capabilities that an organization uses to really actively manage this impact, to learn from the impact, and to be able to change the investment strategy in a way that produces more positive impact and minimizes negative impact. I would say that right now there's calls from practitioners to really just call it impact management to focus on the learning part rather than just the collection of data part. But the acronym still stays as IMM because a three-letter acronym is better, I guess. Um, One quick thing to note, and and I think we'll get into it more probably during the podcast, that there is a, a challenge around the purpose of IMM. So the purpose really is to improve the impact of investments. But part of the purpose is also communication, right? So communicating results that can help mobilize more more capital for for the fund and the enterprise. And that does introduce attention. And it's it's really attention and accountability. Who are we measuring this impact for? And I hope we get more into it as we go on with this podcast. And and staying with you, uh, Sasha, how can impact best be managed and measured? And what Rebecca was saying, there is no one-size-fits-all definition of impact. So is that problematic in terms of management and measurement? Rebecca is right that there's no size-fits-all. It, it presents challenges. It's not necessarily problematic. It does present challenges. I think first we, we can talk about kind of how do we measure and manage this impact. And one of the key resources I think that's useful is looking at the operating principles for impact management. They have a very nice um, graphic. I wish we had a visual here that shows how impact can be managed throughout the investment's life cycle. And really to measure this impact and manage this impact, there are certain principles and tools that we can use um, that come from IMM, that come from m and various different disciplines. I would say looking at the cycle, at the heart of it, there's a few questions or five, five key questions that uh, investors should be asking themselves. So in the beginning, the, really what's, what's important is to decide what impact am I looking for and to understand what impact is my investment likely to produce. That's part of the due diligence stage. That's part of the conversations with, uh, with the um, uh, investment managers. Then once the investment is made, we're trying to understand what is my investment generating an impact? And what am I learning about how, why, and for whom this change is occurring? And finally, there's question number five that actually often gets ignored, but I think is an important one. But what contextual shifts and momentum are happening in society at large in the larger systems that may be affecting my investment? And therefore, how can I respond to them within my investment? So talk about principles and tools. I think as as you're selecting tools, as you're thinking about management, Some principles that I'd like to mention are the principles of the importance of interrogating the evidence, really understanding what evidence there is for making the investment and for keeping the investment on the course that it's on. Involving stakeholders, that's a huge kind of participation is really important when you measure and when you manage. Being selective with data and not overburdening, so not not measuring too much. And being transparent and not overclaiming when you're reporting. So I find that the social value international principles are actually really a really useful reminder of, of these principles that I mentioned. Uh, we can link to them. In terms of tools, once you have the principles set out, I, the, the main tool that we want to use is the theory of change tool. And it's really probably a lot of listeners are familiar with it, but it's a visual representation of how your activities will lead to impact. It can be called a results chain and can be called an impact pathway. Um, it's really a way to lay out what is the logic of your intervention. It should be done with stakeholder consultation. So I'll keep talking about this a lot. So really involving (laughs) stakeholders is important. There's a a lot to be said, yeah. Yes. And um, it it also is not a static tool. You do establish it at the beginning of the investment, but it actually constantly changes as you feed evidence, um, as you measure and manage your your evidence. 
Yeah. And the reason theory of change is useful is that at the measurement stage, it helps you determine which are the most important indicators to measure. So at the measurement stage, you're uh, gathering the indicators. You can you should be selective about which ones you gather. You can actually come up with your own as long as you're clear about definitions. Um, you can also use Iris Plus, which is the Global Impact Investment Networks. One thing I do want to bring up in, in terms of learning, in terms of management, setting up expectations is key because one of the most complicated things about impact management is understanding what to do when your investment is underperforming. And if you have involved all your stakeholders, if you have agreed on, okay, what are what our ex impact expectations are, if you had agreed on that, yes, this is credible data, if you have gathered feedback from your clients, which is an important measurement technique and a tool that, for example, 60 decibels can, can help investors do, that then you are in a better position to really have an honest discussion about what this data really means and, and think of this data as, as a, something to improve the investment rather as a punitive data collection and a punitive um, tool. Yeah. I, one last thing <laughs> really quickly is just, I think when we are managing and managing unintended consequences is something important. And that's kind of the, speaks to question number five, what is happening in the system? So all of our investments are part of a system so we could have negative and positive impacts and really tracking them is really complicated. No one's gotten it right exactly, but it's something that we need to keep in mind. Wow, so that, that's a, a lot of uh, information to digest. And hearing this, it seems that it's a very extensive trajectory to do it right. Do we, or does Triodos also apply this five-step question approach? Can you say something about that? Sure. As Sasha described, and I was nodding along, it is an entire discipline. And I think in the investment sector, we are becoming more and more rigorous We are becoming more sophisticated and expectations are also increasing on us as traders amongst our investors are also, you know, asking us about our processes internally. So um, I joined Triodos actually from the international development sector. So more from the public sector where we also have a lot of experience measuring social impact, environmental impact and putting that into the kind of investment context has been a really interesting journey. But I'll just do kind of uh, a quick overview of how we see impact management at, at Triodos. At Triodos, uh, it's, it's been a really interesting journey. I mean, uh, Triodos has, has always been an impact investor, kind of also before a lot of this terminology and consensus in the industry on definitions and approaches and frameworks, et cetera. For Triodos, I think it's always been at the core of, of our investing activities. However, now we are really uh, kind of stepping up our game internally in terms of making impact really explicit, documented, and measured kind of throughout our investment cycle. So this also kind of closely follows the, the nine impact principles that Sasha referred to that are now with the Global Impact Investing Network. Just to describe our cycle as we see it, we start with the vision, which is really kind of what are the greatest challenges in the world that we want to tackle with our with our investments and then you know moving from the vision to how do we yeah also within the vision is how do we how do we see the world you know what is our ideal state that where do we where are we now and and where do we want to get to and i think yeah we we all know about all of the challenges that the, that the world is facing today but then how can we as an investor make a difference and that's really where we start to develop our strategy And within our strategy, that relates to kind of the, the basis, the, the, fun, the foundation for that is also 
the theory of change that that Sasha uh, described. So that becomes a little bit more specific. And us as investors, then we need to develop an investment kind of thesis and plan around uh, implementing that strategy to, to achieve that vision through our investing activities. But say, you know, giving an example of one of our funds in private debt and equity, we have the Food Transition Fund. And for each and every fund, including the Food Fund, we have developed a theory of change with an impact framework. Um, So that then is based on the theory of change. And then within that framework, we have specific companies that we want to find, to to invest in, to to grow those companies in order to to achieve those impact goals. And key performance indicators, how we, how we measure progress. Um, and, you know, are we, are we doing well? You know, what difference are, are we making? And there are kind of thresholds out there that we can, we can compare against. So moving from the strategy then into the actual investing activities, I think that's also where it gets, um, well, the rubber hits the road, really. It becomes really, yeah, important that, that actually that the investment managers um, really deeply understand the, the strategy and implement kind of the... Um, integration of impact into the investment decision-making process. So really in the investment committee, assessing yeah the positive impact potential of that specific investment, yep. uh, how that contributes to the overall portfolio. And again, yeah, there can be a spectrum. I think um, in any portfolio, you're going to have some companies that are maybe achieving huge scale of impact. So maybe reaching a lot of people, for example, but then you also want to look at depth of impact. So, you know, what... Are those people underserved? You know, how much is really changing for them? And there are also kind of, yeah, different uh, components and and dimensions of impact, let's say. So we look at that's a positive impact, but then we also want to make sure that we are avoiding as much as possible, which is not possible to entirely avoid or to also mitigate any potential negative impact. So that's also a really important part of of impact measurement and management. Um, And I guess for that, it's also important that we have a long-standing relationship eh, with these these companies. Definitely, yeah. Yeah. That can also be built over time. Um, And I think, yeah, you don't, as an investor, I think, well, probably we'll get into challenges later, so I'm jumping ahead. But what we want to avoid are kind of setting these fixed indicators that we are forcing companies to to report on, which aren't so relevant for them. I mean, yeah. really, it works the best when the companies are also measuring things that matter to them, that help them to improve their business and that they also can value. In practice, that that's not always possible for us as an investor. So that's kind of at the investment decision and, and then the monitoring. So that, that relationship over time, kind of that communication and dialogue with companies or reporting. And then, you know, here at the fund level, again, we need to aggregate across all of our investments. And that's also, I think, where it can become a challenge um, in order to make sure that you know, what we are reporting to our investors in our impact reports, we just published our impact reports uh, a month ago, uh, but really tells the right story and has meaning. And sometimes, yeah, that has to go beyond the data, let's say. And finally, um, you know, once all of that is, is taking place and happening, it's an ongoing cycle, so it doesn't stop at, at the impact report, you know, we're not done. But internally, it's really also important to reflect on on the results, on, you know, how are we doing against the goals that we set out, etc., And just to stay with you, Rebecca, because we are based in Europe and Europe is probably one of the most regulated regions in terms of impact investing. Is that helping us or is it becoming more complex then? Oh, that's such a great question. And it's really hitting a nerve because we're really in the midst right now of uh, racing to comply with, with a lot of new regulation since I joined last year. So I think 
you're referring to the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation, Maybe. the EU taxonomy. We also have done an entire separate podcast on the regulation, so I don't want to go into too much detail about its purpose, its focus, etc. But the idea behind the SFDR is, is to improve transparency in the market and also to prevent greenwashing or impact washing. And I think the main focus is on negative impact. So for sustainable investors, for funds that have a, have a positive impact objective or a sustainable impact objective, which all of the Triodos funds do, it also has specific requirements on, on measurement and on reporting. But really, there's a huge focus on also disclosing while measuring and disclosing the potential or actually the, the actual negative impact in the portfolio. And that's a huge data collection exercise. And I remember... When I first interviewed for this job and the other impact manager at Triados, Nikki, asked me, um, you know, that's great. You know, I know you have a lot of experience measuring positive impact, but what about negative impact? <laughs> I got flustered and and I because I, that really um, is um, not done so um so much in, in, in the public sector, I would say. And now you know everything about and it. And now I can tell, yeah. <laughs> but I think one of those challenges that I was mentioning earlier around um, building that relationship with the company and also making sure that the, that the KPIs are really relevant to the company. Um, and again, I'm coming from the, from the private debt and equity side where we're also investing a lot in emerging markets where the companies, um, you know, we're investing in growing SMEs. And we have longstanding relationships. And, and now here is this regulation that has this fixed set of indicators that are not flexible and that we cannot sort of, yeah, work together with the companies uh, in order to define how we're going to measure your impact. But no, we have to ask them certain questions. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that, that comes down to, yeah, th those, those negative impact indicators relate to the environment and also their social indicators. So on the environmental side, it's carbon emissions, it's biodiversity, water use, hazardous waste. For companies that maybe are in our financial inclusion portfolio, for example, that, um, you know, th they're also learning about all of this for the first time. They're, they're um, well, I shouldn't say all because some are very advanced and, and very sophisticated and have the systems in place. And I also shouldn't call out financial inclusion versus some of, you know, the renewable energy portfolio. But the point is that that there's different levels of uh, understanding right now within the companies themselves. We're in this awkward position as investors to say, look, you know, we're asking you this information. We know that, you know, you don't, um, you may not be measuring it yet. And they come back to us and they say, well, you know, Thanks very much. How can we measure it? How can you help us? How can, you know, where can we get guidance and support? Yeah. Um, and that's also an area where, yeah. you know, we, we'd love to do more. But I think yeah. as investors, yeah, we can, we can only do so much. I also already sneaked in some, uh, some challenges that we're <laughs> facing. Uh, going, going back to you, Sasha, what do you see as the main challenge in impact management and measurement? Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, Rebecca have, has brought up a, a lot of them, and especially this kind of challenge of reporting and accountability. Just because rep reporting to regulators and to investors is important, we, we really, which is kind of more upward accountability, we can't forget that really our responsibility is downward accountability really to, the, uh, to those who the investment ultimately serves. So I think the, the big challenge is building systems that are not necessarily just built for compliance, but systems that are built to improve um, the impact of the investments. Um, I think there, there is a danger that with more and more regulations, uh, we will not pay enough attention to what impact is actually happening on the ground and to really, as I was talking about, selecting the indicators that are particularly important to each investment. 
This, is, this relates to the challenge of purpose. So who are you collecting this data for? Why is this data needed? And the danger of collecting too much, too much data is really one resourcing burden, but also kind of burnout, um, survey fatigue, data fatigue, where there's a fr frustration and rejection uh, of measurement, which hopefully will not happen. Another challenge that we've mentioned that Rebecca and I have both alluded to, as have you, Rosal, is the challenge of definitions. Um, impact is not necessarily intuitive. We've had ages and ages to get used to the idea of money and, to, and, and decades to uh, financial terms, to get used to financial terms. The impact term, especially on the measurement side, is, is more new. But what worries me is not necessarily the lack of clarity per se or the lack of definition per se, but that this may be contributing to investors not valuing impact as highly as they should. This is not uh, the case for Triada. So obviously you have very uh, sophisticated measurement systems. Uh, there's a lot of other funds that do as well, but impact investing is a broad church. There's a lot of people who are investing who don't necessarily have the systems or the understanding of impact. And there's a paper by Florian Heben and colleagues that came out relatively recently that looks at investors' willingness to pay for impact. It's called Do Investors Care About Impact? It shows that while investors do pay for impact in general, they, they are not willing to pay more for deeper impact. That is concerning given that what we're trying to do is actually change systems, change society to, to, to really get to deep impact. I think this has some solutions. This understanding how to, how to value impact can be helped by monetization. So the monetization is basically converting impact back into money. So using some techniques uh, and assumptions to get to uh, social return on investment, for example, or multi uh, impact multiple of money, as I mentioned before. I don't tend to do this as a practitioner. I think there are too many assumptions that go into a lot of these calculations. I also have the belief that economy should be turning towards impact rather than impact turning towards money. But at the same time, the space is dynamic, and I think we're always learning and we're always reconsidering our beliefs, and maybe monetizing impact will help investors understand the value of it. Um, yeah. Another thing that, that's aligned with that is really setting targets, which I've mentioned before. Once you know what threshold you're going towards, you can understand whether you're further along or closer uh, or, or, or not far enough along to impact, so willing to invest more money into something that's more impactful. Yep. Two more things to mention is verification is a potential solution, um, I think, for some of this for, for impact washing. So that's being done. Obviously, it's one of the principles of um, uh, operating principles for impact management. It is also really focused on um, making sure that there is enough attention paid to impact that that impact is paid attention to throughout the various stages of the investment cycle. Finally, I think resourcing is important in making sure that impact is... Um, impact challenges are, are being solved. I, in uh, um, grant, on the grant making side where I come from, it, it is accepted that five to 10% of the project cost is going to go to monitoring and evaluation. This okay. doesn't always happen, but at least there's some kind of understanding that impact is not free, that it needs yeah. to be resourced. And I think that's something that really needs to be understood by the funders, uh, impact investment funders and um, in, in the field in general, I think. We need to recognize that impact measurement and management costs, is not, they're not just administrative costs, but they're really legitimate costs associated with assuring that the product has real value. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely see that. And question to you, Rebecca, do you agree also or do you see other challenges? 
Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, I think for us also, it's recognizing the um, the extremely rapid pace at which the industry is evolving and changing um, and growing. Now, all of a sudden, there's a lot of interest in impact investing. I think we have to be really careful. That's why the, I think the global impact investing initiatives are really important also to kind of all align on what it is, what it is not, what constitutes impact investing, and, and what are the requirements. And I think also, though, that internally, um, that, you know, that, that knowledge is, is growing. It takes time to really be embedded and to really, yeah, making impact explicit. So making sure that the reasons for decision making are really documented well, databased, et cetera. And it, it really requires, I think, a lot of, of the entire team. So, you know, yeah. I, my title is impact manager, but that doesn't mean that I'm doing this all myself. I mean, it, it's no. the entire investment <laughs> team, of course, it has that responsibility. Yeah. And so, you know, it's making sure that also that those best practices in the industry and that we are developing in-house as, you know, as kind of a, a leader, that that is also fully embedded and, and, and really happening. So that's also kind of a lot of internal coordination and, and following up and, and all kind of, yeah, doing this together. I think yeah. um, otherwise, um, I guess that relates to kind of uh, going beyond the data. I think what we are used to is is that churn of, okay, you know, getting things set up, having the, the investees report on, on data. But in order to really steer on impact, you know, that, that does require kind of that regular review. Are we measuring the right things? You know, what does it all mean? And that starts at the investee level. So if I'm um, an Apple company... And, you know, I'm an investee of Triados taking an equity position in my company and Triados is asking me to report on the amount of apples sold. Then Triados as, as, as a funder, you know, we are kind of aggregating that up and, and comparing alongside other food companies. But then you can obviously take it a lot further and it depends on kind of the, the company's ability to kind of, you know, go a step deeper to maybe look at are those apples being eaten by the people that we were targeting, you know, that we were assuming that they... Um, um, maybe they weren't eating apples before, or maybe those apples were going somewhere else. Maybe, you know, the kids that were packing the apples in their lunch were throwing them in the trash. So you can take it further. I think you have yeah. to kind of, yeah, draw the line somewhere, but also get enough meaningful information to really steer and to, to inform decision-making. And this also relates to the difference between output versus mm. outcome, impact. These, these terms are very often mixed in impact uh, reports. Mm -hmm. And this is a nice example, but what is the difference and, uh, and what is more important? Maybe, Sasha, you can uh, elaborate on that. Yeah, happy to. It's a, it's a really good question and it's a philosophical one. I will give you uh, the short answer that output is something that's provided, so a service or produced by an investment, often measured in number of people receiving the service or number of people buying the product, as uh, Rebecca mentioned in the Apple example, it would be people buying the Apple. And outcome is how a person or planet have changed as a result of this output. So have they eaten the Apple? And you can go further to impact, which is like, has that eating of the Apple affected their health um, in a positive way? I would say... There is outcomes are more important. Outputs are really just proxies for impact. Um, they're necessary, but they're not sufficient. So if we want to have integrity in terms of impact, that does call for measuring outcomes full stop. At the same time, this is a, a nuanced question. I understand kind of why we're asking it because, it because there's a practical dimension to it. Outputs are easier to measure. That is why a lot of the um, 
indicator compendiums, for example, are really for, for example, like the IRS Plus are focused on, on outputs, especially on the social side. And they're also more in the company's control. So again, with the apples, you can control how many apples are being sold. You can't necessarily control who is eating the apple and how that apple is affecting someone's health. There's a lot, there are a lot more forces that, that are acting on, on the person eating the apple um, that are more, more systemic. Yeah. And really outcomes, the way to achieve outcomes is to, is to have collective impact, to have more than one investment acting on the same outcome. And this is why there's a lot of conversation um, in the evaluation circles and in IMM uh, around what do we measure and people fall on different sides. As we think about outputs versus outcomes, it's important to think about attribution, right? With an output, it's very clear that you had control. With an outcome, as I said, it's less clear and to figure out whether your whether the change in outcome is attributable to your investment, yeah. you do have to ha use pretty sophisticated um, evaluation techniques. So Usually you would go for ex experimental design, which necessitates um, randomizing uh, groups into groups that received your interventions and groups that didn't receive the intervention, which is a control group, and then comparing between the two. Because impact and outcomes, as I said, are, can be affected by things like policies or ma people maturing. You do need to understand whether it's the counterfactual, what would have happened if your investment didn't exist. And as I said, there's experimental methods to, to do it. There's quasi-experimental methods that uh, require more statistical ma manipulation. They're costly and they're difficult and you can't use them all the time. So I think you, you uh, for example, with uh, Rockefeller, we, we measure both outputs and outcomes, but we don't necessarily hold investments responsible for outputs because we understand the extra the distance from their own control, and we don't always use the methods that will uh, allow us to parse out what the counterfactual could have been. Yeah. We really focus on contribution. So yeah. is there likelihood that your investment has contributed to these outcomes when you're looking at an investment per se? Yeah. And, and of course, in the philanthropy sector, you've been measuring and management managing impact already for a long time. What is your advice to the investment industry? What can we learn from you? I think learning is really never a one-way street, right? There's a lot that impact investing can learn from grant making and a lot that grant making can learn from impact investment. I, I really believe in, in conversation and this is why it's, it's amazing to, to have this podcast to really get through these issues together, not as a, I'm, I'm telling you this. Research shows, and there has been research done on this, that, that we all have common challenges around uh, meaningful use of impact data, both on the philanthropic side and on the impact investing side. And this is that something that we're going to keep working with together and really try to get best, best practices around. I think where uh, 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 philanthropy is in, a, in an easier space is that we don't have the accountability tensions that investors do. So yeah. there's more freedom to focus on relevance rather uh, than on standardization of impact. Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 and that helps in terms of the relationship with the grantees. It, it, it helps in terms of management of impact. But I think this lack of standardization also has a flip side. So there are, always, there are a lot of complaints from grantees that different foundations have different reporting requirements. So you have to report completely differently every time. And maybe if there was more of a harmonized reporting framework or some kind of standardization, that would be helpful. It just has to be done in a thoughtful way. I think there's also opportunities for cross-learning in spaces where philanthropy has thought more about and more deeply about. So things like participatory methods, systems thinking, really thinking about the complexity of evaluation and, and how it's not linear. 
I think there's actually a lot of thought that is being done on the IMM side of that as well, but there's opportunities to learn as, as uh, impact investing is, is um, tackling more systemic challenges. And one thing that I've mentioned before, but it's really resourcing. Um, in uh, philanthropy, there's an understanding that impact needs to be resourced, that there needs to be someone who's responsible for collecting this data, for really putting the systems together, and for really now more and more for learning about it. So there's my, my as I said, my title is strategic learning um, and impact. So it's creating the space for learning, the conversation around learning. And if there's no person who's responsible for it, it just tends to get lost in the, in the model. Yeah. Um, I would say well, that's something that, that yeah, impact investing can learn. Um, yeah. There are other fields we can learn from, like healthcare, for example, as we're talking about outputs and outcomes and, and really involving patients. Everyone is learning around this, this continuum. I think overall, is, it's an important conversation to be had, and I'm so glad we're having these conversations and that we can learn from our successes as well as from our missteps. So let, let's continue in future then. So th- my final question then to you, uh, Rebecca, wh- where do we go from here? Just echoing Sasha's last point around discussing with each other, learning from each other. Um, One of the main differences that I've experienced coming from the grant making sector into the impact investing sector, and I mentioned it before, but is kind of that holistic focus that we're trying to really understand the entire footprint that we have as an investor and what is our contribution to that impact that's taking place. And that includes both positive and negative impact. So I think right now it just it's it's very big. And I think the more kind of that we can that we can focus, that we can prioritize, that we can make sure that we are not measuring too much, measuring the right things, making sure that what we are measuring, I mean it sounds so obvious, but it's really meaningful and that we are really making a decision based on it, then we we can cut out the rest. I mean, aside from what we are required to measure for the regulation, of course. I think, yeah, we as investors, we are more restricted, but that also makes us disciplined. So that's uh, that's also a good thing. I do think that the, the, the SFDR, even though, again, it's a huge data exercise uh, at the moment, it feels that way. So it's probably why I've been focusing on that part. But I do think it's a step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And I'm really, uh, we're really happy to see this, this regulation. And I think it's just the beginning. It's early days. So really interested to see how this, yeah, I mean, eventually, hopefully drives that systemic shift in the markets that it's really aiming for. But yeah, it'll take time. And don't forget the stories. I I guess uh, no matter how hard you try to capture impact or contribution in in, in numbers, I think it's also very important to keep telling the stories behind these impact numbers. Well, thank you very much, uh, Sasha and Rebecca, for sharing your valuable insights on this important topic. And also uh, thank you to the audience for tuning in into our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and we are very curious to hear your feedback. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel. See you next time.